With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 264, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. I am Chris Featherstone. As always, your host follows at Crave Wrestling on Twitter and, of course, Facebook at Crave Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to introduce this week's guest on the show. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into it. A lot to talk about with UFC legend, uh, one of the biggest legends in the business of Ultimate Fighting Championship, MMA star, without further ado, Matt Hughes. How are you tonight, sir? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So before I ask you the questions, just to kind of dig into your career and your thoughts of The Undertaker's uh, career at WrestleMania, you got a big uh, event coming up this weekend. Let the listeners know about it. <laughs> I'm going out and doing a seminar, and actually, I don't even know the exact name of the town right now. Can you help me out there? Uh, it's the Solid Rock Church. is in uh, Mason or Lebanon? I believe Lebanon. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, <laughs> uh, Saturday morning, and you know what? You've caught me. I don't even have my, my notes right in front of me. Um do you have a number where people can? Uh, boy, I sound terrible right now. Oh, it's okay. 
It's totally fine, man. Uh, let's let's get that uh, actually for you. I believe it's Solid Rock Church. You can actually hit up yeah. Solid Rock Church uh, on Facebook as well. Um, actually, it's Monroe, Ohio, um, and the number uh, actually the address is nine hundred three Union Road. It's actually uh, Monroe, Lebanon, Ohio. Uh, and it looks like the number is 513-423-7040 is what I have. And um, it's, a, it's a Wrestling MMA seminar. So it's about a four-hour seminar we're going to do, and, and it'll teach everything for some, some uh, high school wrestlers and also just a, a little bit of MMA in there as well. So it uh, should be a good time. Good stuff, man, absolutely. So it's great to uh, interview tonight. So you are a legend in the um, – uh, the business of ultimate fighting. What made you endeavor into the career of MMA? <laughs> I wrestled through high school and college, and it was just kind of the next step. But was, uh, um, there was, I didn't want to go wrestle for the United States. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to that much money and going for the Olympics. Even if you are an Olympic champion, there's just not a lot of money. And, and uh, fighting was right up my alley, and so I picked that sport up and I didn't know that I would do well it just uh was just a hobby just just a guy out there trying to have fun yeah absolutely and you wrestled were there any any desire to endeavor in professional wrestling i know you got some friends in the pro wrestling business did you ever think about wrestling yeah i I never really did because (laughs) i'm not much of an actor Um, (laughs) i'm just just kind of myself yeah and so uh I know who I am and I know who I'm not, and and that's something that would be very hard for me uh, to to perform like that. Uh, you know, if I can be myself and compete, uh, that was that was that was more me. Yeah, well, you had uh, predecessors uh, like Dan Severn and Ken Shamrock who actually uh, won championships uh, in, in wrestling. Uh, Dan Severn was one of the longest uh, NWA champions of all time. Of course, Ken Shamrock became uh, a very notable name in WWE, winning uh, the Intercontinental Championship was his biggest uh, um pinnacle i guess you can say so there were some people behind you you know and there were some predecessors that uh kind of paved the way for you a little bit but uh as both we see with especially dan severn he was very stone-faced he really didn't have a character uh other than him being a ufc star so i definitely understand that so what were some of your inspirations uh starting your mma career you know, my, really, the first ref of my, of my first fight ever was a guy named Pat Miletich, mm-hmm. who was the uh, welterweight world champion at the time. So he was a big motivation for me. And I actually, he was the ref for my first fight. And then after about two or three fights, I started training with him. So he's always been my, uh, my inspiration. Nice. How did you get the opportunity to, uh, to get a UFC contract? I had a good manager, uh, Monty Cox, and he was in tight with uh, uh, John Peretti, the then then was the matchmaker for the UFC. And I put some wins together against some people, some notable people, and, and then uh, you know, the reached back to the UFC, and, and they they brought me in. Awesome. So you had such a memorable career. Um, I believe your MMA. Total, I think you were like 45 and 17, something around there, or, or 45 and 9? Yeah, 
Yeah, sounds about right. Um, so, the, the do you think more about the forty five wins of your career or the nine losses? Oh, easily the nine losses. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> just the way it, you know, just the way it is. Yeah, forty five losses and and uh, two of those were against BJ and two were against the gang Dennis Holloman. So uh, yeah, uh, two against and two of those were against. GSP, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, UFC 63, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what was your most devastating loss that you can that you can remember? Probably against um, well, when BJ Penn beat me. Yeah. Took my title away from me. Yeah. That was probably my biggest loss. Yeah, absolutely. So what actually? Like w- within the years that you were in uh, UFC, 2013, you decided to retire. Uh, I believe uh, you were you're turning 40, right? You're on your way to turning 40 mm-hmm. in 2013. Yep. Yep. Uh, so what what was it that caused you to to want to retire? Well, I, I just wasn't competing like I thought I should be mm-hmm. should be doing in there. So my family was kind of calling. Yeah, I was getting old, and the UFC had a position uh, for me. So with those three, and my wife wanted me to retire. With those four things, I went ahead and stepped out of the octagon. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, well, you had a memorable 15-year career. Uh, you're one of the most notable UFC stars, especially uh, within uh, the division that you were in, which was welterweight. Uh, so a little bit of a shift to, to, to pro wrestling stars. You, uh, there, it's, it's been known that you and The Undertaker have a, a relationship. Uh, you know, there was a, a time or two that Undertaker was spotted at uh, UFC events. Uh, what are your what is your overall career objective uh, standpoint from from the Undertaker? He's one of the most notable names of WWE history. Uh, he retired with the Bang at WrestleMania 33, so to speak. You know, there's still some speculation out there, but uh, this may be his last match. This may not. What are your thoughts? You think this is his last match, and what is your overall thoughts on uh, your friend, the Undertaker? Well, you know, I don't know if it's going to be last match or not, so I'm a terrible guy to, to ask there. Um, you know, he uh, he's going to retire when he ever wants to retire. So if it's right now, then it'll be right now. But uh, overall, just a great guy, huge guy. When you stand next to him, he he's, he's might be – when I stood next to him, I just felt tiny. And not <laughs> many people that do that to me, uh, but he did. So, yeah, um, yeah you know uh, – <laughs> He would definitely be one of the biggest legends in his sport. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, so no doubt about it. Yeah. He's uh, the, the huge legend. So I wish him the best. Whatever he wants to do. He wants to stay in or he wants to get out. Whatever yeah. Absolutely. Do you recall any uh, conversations that he uh, gave you some nuggets or maybe you gave him some MMA tips? Yeah, no, we no, uh, we didn't exchange any information like that. Uh, we just yeah. talked. Yeah. One guy to another, so not not real competitive talk. Just um, <coughs> mm-hmm. yeah, indeed. And lastly, the, the, my last question I want to ask you, Matt, is that uh, you 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 really started sporting something around ten years ago. Um, 
it's called the Army of One, uh, and it was really a a sign of just uh, your, your lifestyle shift. And really, uh, you know, as we see with you uh, doing a seminar at Solid Rock Church on Sunday, and uh, excuse me, Saturday in Ohio, um, you know, you, you decided to to change your life, and you decided to to devote your life and and uh, for the Lord, and and just let you know, just let the listeners know how the journey was and still is uh, as living your life uh, that, as a Christian. And just, I mean, what, what made, was there, was there a, a Paul-style road to Damascus moment, or, or was it just, uh, you know, just some, some overall life objective that you uh, just was thinking about that made you go that, go that way? Just uh, how, how did you journey to where you are now? You know, uh, 13 years ago is, is when that happened. When I became a Christian, and I wasn't I wasn't looking really to be a Christian. We were on, on a mission trip down to Mexico uh, at an orphanage, and um, just went down there for uh, three reasons: I love helping people, I love hard work, and I like being around my buddies. So that's the three reasons I went down there, and I think God had another plan. So. Uh, Gave my life to the Lord down there, and things uh, things never been the same. In, you know, in a, in a good way. Yeah. Um, sometimes life's tough, but I mean, um, if you know it's it's really not you making decisions, and if you ask for things, you'll you'll receive answers. So, um, so yeah. So life life's definitely <coughs> absolutely. <laughs> What's the biggest advice that you can give someone who's endeavoring into MMA, and more importantly, what what uh, is the biggest piece of advice you can give someone who uh, is is uh, deciding to endeavor their life as a Christian? Um, number one, if you're going to get into MMA, uh, get a good gym and get a good manager, and those two will lead you in the right direction. And um, if you're interested in more about Jesus than the Lord. Uh, get to a church, find, uh, get a hold of some of your buddies that could answer any questions you've got, and uh, start probing in a little bit. Um, you don't have to make a big jump all at once. Just, uh, just start uh, asking questions. Cause that's how it. That's how it was with me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's amazing, uh, Matt. I, I really really appreciate your time. And and uh, again, uh, he'll be at Solid Rock Church on Sunday, and uh, check out Solid Rock's Facebook for details, or where can they find you if they want to ask you some more questions uh, uh, as far as social media? Um, Facebook, Matt Hughes, Twitter, uh, Matt Hughes 9X, those are the best ways, and yeah, I'll be attending Solid Rock Church on Sunday morning. So okay. Sunday morning. If they're not interested in the seminar on Saturday, uh, come to the church on Sunday and shake my hand up. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for your time. Okay. Have a good evening. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. On mine. Let's go. 
the whole squad is making it clear we taking this year you know who we are but you don't know why we here so this is where the big boys play these big boys play like who defies the living god get out the big boys way outsiders with the swoop in we live as kings you seeing us but our third man waits in the wings and when the time is right we shock him with the proper attack i go for dolo but ain't solo cut the promo in black hollywood hendrix prizzle pinning them to the max and i'm that's one with the strength of a hundred men With one intent To see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself But you rap about your gaps and your rags torture White coffins when I drop a bomb My mic's awesome, never lost faith You in all space, you can all skate Suffer but never cripple No bin walls in my cross face From here to Saturday raving Anticipating, I was frostbit Now I am Glacier, mixed with some Vader Get to hawking with these animals Using God for my defense and Alabama, we jamming, that's beautiful Bobby eating, me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah The Harlem Heat, tie the do-rag Before we do battle, you're talking sheep You all what you speak, this too Till the number is took back We repping that wolf pack The foundation shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that, trust in God We trust, pushing forward, never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stamping out this crook rap He turning the power on, on the race Edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You crew. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming. Donna Brothers, we love it. Demand the win. Establish it. This the class to the champions. This is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. What a amazing, amazing interview from UFC welterweight legend, ladies and gentlemen. The one, the only, Matt Hughes. And it's so awesome to, to really experience uh, a UFC interview. Uh, I'm a big UFC fan, and uh, the guest... Uh, co-host for the evening was also a UFC fan. So it only made sense to grab Matt Hughes, especially to promote the Solid Rock Church event uh, that he's having uh, this sun, this Saturday uh, at uh, Solid Rock Church once again. Uh, so head up Solid Rock Church uh, on Facebook uh, to, to attend his seminar. Of course, like you said, uh, Sunday, go to the church uh, if you want to uh, do a meet and greet uh, with Jesus first, and then, <laughs> of course, a meet and greet with him. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get into the show tonight. The guest co-host is back in better than ever, as a very popular WWE theme song says. Without further ado, let's bring in Bleach Report feature columnist, the doctor, Chris Mueller. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you doing? Great, man. You ready to uh, get this show in a row? It's great to have you back on the show tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's always a fun time. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. So without further ado, let's get to the headlines. Here we go. Very, very somber moment to start the show tonight. Um 
the headlines portion of the show. Um, I interviewed uh, this uh, person on my show last November, about five months ago, uh, right before Survivor Series. Um, Matt Rosie and Hawaii. Uh, just so sad, man. 47 years old, so young. Um, I wrote a piece on it uh, today. Um, it's looking like a just a heart failure. There's some issues going on in 2014 uh, where he had to be hospitalized. And, um, <clears throat> it, you know, it's so sad to see him go. And his prayers go up to the Anawai Fatu family. And uh, it's just really tough to uh, really experience such an untimely passing. I mean, you know, uh, from an earthly standpoint, we we can always say untimely. Um, but, you know, I mean, 47 years old is just one of those things that it's hard to really fathom uh, someone passing um, at 47 years old at such a young age, uh, you know, uh, relatively. And, you know, just NIE, of course, uh, we, we know him as, uh, as Rosie. Uh, as far as his uh, popularity is concerned, three-minute warning, uh, him in the hurricane as a uh, superhero in training, of course, the Samoan Gangster Party back in ECW, um, and just, uh, just a storied uh, career, uh, mostly from a tag team perspective, and uh, just a very uh, amazing representative of the NOIA family as far as wrestling legacy is concerned. I was honored to interview him back on my show in November uh, so it was great to have a piece of of Rodney before he left. I mean, before before uh, Rosie before he left, and uh, you know, just I was listening to a little bit of the show that I had with him in November uh, today, just to just think about uh, you know just his passing and just really um, you know make a light make light make a light a lighter note of it. I actually talked to uh, Johnny Stamboli today, Johnny the Bull. Uh, he, uh, you know, he just he also wanted to send his condolences out to um, NOIE, and uh, he, he was explaining to me how they traveled uh, on the road during camp in Cincinnati. So just some lighthearted stories uh, that I was really trying to, to grab of this really tough time. So, um, it's, you know, prayers go to, to the NOI family. It's really tough to see Matt go. All right. Chris, your thoughts on Matt? Uh, you know, he, he was one of those guys that was always just looked like he was having the time of his life in the ring. He was a lot of fun to watch. I was actually – on your show when you interviewed him. So I remember oh, that yeah, interview. Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah weird coincidence. And, uh, yeah, he just seemed like a super humble guy who just mm-hmm. – who wasn't – like, you don't find that many ex-WWE stars who aren't bitter about something, but it seemed like he only had good things to say. And, yep. you know, you got to respect a guy who, who keeps his head up like that even after he's out of the company. Yeah, absolutely well said. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I've interviewed many, plenty of people who have had some, um, <laughs> who've had some reasons to be bitter. Uh, but you know, just it was one of those things. Just you know, Matt really took the humble route, and you know, was really one of those people who was a, was so uh, honored and privileged about his opportunity and how just <laughs> a superhero in training, uh, his giving just became so infectious and it just was uh, amazing. And so uh, definitely one of the most notable parts of uh, the ruthless aggression era. Um, 
of course, the, the three-minute warning, and then, like like we said, uh, going into the the, the, the team, uh, the the, uh, the the tag team with with Shane Helms. So, uh, of course, Shane Helms uh, sent his condolences on on Twitter. A number of other people did as well. Shelton Benjamin explained you know, they used to be traveling buddies. Uh, Tommy Dreamer. I uh, recall their relationship in ECW was uh, when he, like I said, when he was a part of the Samoan gangster party. So, yeah, uh, really tough uh, to, to see that uh, loss. And um, uh, Roman Reigns has yet to comment, as far as I know. I checked a few hours back, and uh, he hasn't yet to comment. So, uh, definitely, uh, I'd imagine this is a, a time of mourning. Uh, his uncle, Alpha, uh, of the Wild Samoans, I, I wrote about this today, and he really asked the public to um, not be too far into the family as far as contact as of now, and give them some time to just mourn the loss. And it makes perfect sense. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely you know have no qualms about that, and no one else should, uh, honestly. Next, uh, we got Dash Wilder of the Revival, <clears throat> injured doing. NXT house show fractured his jaw, so he's out into the summer. What a a terrible time uh, to really just <laughs> have an injury. Just just quelled the momentum uh, of defeating the New Day, the longest reigning you know tag team champions in, in WWE history. Uh, beat them twice, which I wasn't a big fan of, uh, but still you know gave them a, a ton of momentum. And now they're gone, you know, for the next two, three months. So, uh, well wishes for Dash, but just a, a terrible timing for the, the the revival. And crazy, crazy enough, it happened on an NXT show. Yeah, your your thoughts on uh, on Dash on Dashy boy? Sorry, cut out there for a second. Um, on Dasher, uh, I did. Yeah, uh, my, my you know, it's it, it is an unfortunate timing. Um, those guys are one of the best tag teams in the business right now, but you know, it's not that long of a time. It'll probably only be a few months and then they'll be brought back and have another little reintroduction. And I'm sure their momentum won't be killed because WWE knows how good they are. But I mean, he's, he's been keeping a good attitude about it. He's posted a couple of funny things like a Monday night jaw and planet smoothie (laughs) for his breakfast, lunch and dinner on Twitter and stuff. Like it doesn't seem like it's getting him down too much. I just, I wish they would kind of do what they did with Enzo and Cass and have, um, Dawson kind of come out and do some singles stuff while Dash is out just to keep them in people's minds because that really Absolutely. helped Big Cass when they did that. Yep. So I don't see why they couldn't do it. Dawson's a great wrestler on his own. The guy can go out there and have a good match with anybody. So they should use him. I agree. I think that uh, I think that Dawson has that has more of a veteran look as well. You know, it's one of those things. Like I always think of. I don't remember who they compared Dawson to. I think they said something like Dean Malenko. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Not necessarily. I always think of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew when I think of the Revival. Um, and just a, a Anderson-style look, you know, for for uh, Dawson. So, you know, Anderson, Arn Anderson had a pretty good singles run uh, before and after the Horsemen. Uh, many people always say that he's one of the uncrowned champions of uh, of professional wrestling, and I think that uh, 
Here's the thing, though. I think I think you make a really good point. I agree with you as far as just him being utilized. The only thing is I think Dawson's a good hand. I think he's a good character alone. So you might get into that type of uh, conundrum where Dawson may be so good by himself that they wouldn't want to put him back with uh, with Wilder. So I guess I guess it may be good to hold him off. Yeah, you never know. I mean, those things do happen, so yeah. it's always possible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, an unfortunate one. You know, this this really hurts my heart. Uh, the book of man, book of T. Uh, man, I, I, it's it's tough because I'm he's one of my top five all time. Big big fan of Booker T. Uh, but you know, in recent in his recent podcast, you know, he just kind of dismissed uh, just the the importance and just the uh, severity of bullying. I mean, you know, and you know, he said bullying stops when you're a dog. And he was talking about uh, uh, just manning up. You take things, you know. You go, you go to take hands, you know, and, and go to blows, and, you know, you handle things a certain way you were an adult, and as far as, you know, the, the word bullying should not be used, and, you know, it was just, it, you know, in, in all due respect to, to, to Booker T, you know, this is, I have a soft spot uh, about anything dealing with uh, mental health, because uh, I'm about to become a doctor uh, in psychology, and just knowing how important it is for people to really um, to, to really understand the importance of mental health, uh, even if it's someone who never has dealt with a mental health issue, I think it's important for people to understand the severity of it and understand the sensitivity of it, because a lot of times um, the lack of sensitivity and the ignorance uh, shown by comments, you know, similar to what Booker T says, uh, that that uh, hurts the cause that hurts the movement and the understanding of the, uh, the, the importance of mental health. And so, you know, I just encourage people like Booker T to really study and to really, um, really dive into uh, just the mental health, uh, um, you know, different cases and different videos and different interviews and things like that. And realize, you know, child, adolescent, <laughs> adolescent, child, adult, it doesn't matter. Uh, mental health is a serious thing, and uh, you know, it, it, being that dismissive toward uh, so, something so important is uh, uh, wasn't the, the the smartest thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's one of those things where everybody handles things differently, and you know, just because Booker T can handle somebody getting in his face and riling him up doesn't mean that everybody out there can handle the same thing. It's right. it's an unfortunate situation because Morrow Mar- is such a good commentator, and it would have been great if they could have transitioned him just away from JBL, if, if that's really the yeah. problem. I mean, the thing is, is a lot of this has been built up over time with conjecture and hearsay. We haven't actually heard Morrow say anything or JBL say anything, and even though a lot of people have these stories about JBL being a bully backstage, I, I don't want to say anything too much because I don't actually know the story, you know, from a firsthand perspective. But if, if that is what happened, it's really unfortunate, and especially with all WWE's anti-bullying stuff, for them to not try and work that out a little bit better is a little disappointing. Yeah, it is. I agree. And 
I was just a, I, I was a fan of Mario. I explained this on my five year anniversary show. I just yeah, and I explained this. I had, I interviewed Ken Anderson and Sean Davari last week, and uh, Ken Anderson uh, um, does not like his his style uh, of kind of like the 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 this jockey type of style. And I I liked it. I, I thought it was I like it, and I said it on my show last week. I I, I like Mario. Um, I can understand why the the DJ style isn't the the is kind of dated. Uh, however, I think that you know, and I said this before, Mauro Ronaldo, he's one of the only people to me uh, that really just encapsulates the passion of WWE and, and matches. I think he really comes in. This is something I. I I can tell, and I love, because this the reason why I love JR's commentary so much, it just seems like Ronaldo comes in as a mark. You know, he's, he's kind of like a mark sitting down, not not from a negative connotation as, you know, someone who, uh, you know, just just kind of trolls and just kind of, you know, plays the know-it-all in the business and does a, is kind of insensitive to reality in, in some, you know, some standpoints. But, it's, you know, I, I think... Mar- I think Mauro Ronaldo is just a, such a huge fan of the business, and he, you know, I've, I've listened to interviews and written about past interviews that he's had uh, when he was uh, in New Japan doing access with um, uh, with Josh Barnett, and you you can even tell then you can even tell when he was covering you know older you know New Japan <laughs> shows that he was, in. and of course you know his boxing and MMA background, uh, but. Pro wrestling was one of the first things he started with. You know, he, he, start, he was talking about he was 16 years old and he started in the wrestling business. He was a commentator. He was a heel manager. So he's he has more than enough experience in the pro wrestling business. So you can just tell that that's really a passion of his. Uh, he's going back to boxing actually this weekend. Last weekend, he went back to MMA in Japan. Uh, but, you know, he said that... Uh, He's not done with wrestling, according to social media. And uh, New Japan is reportedly having an expansion next year uh, to the state. So I think they'll be a perfect fit. Yeah, whoever gets them is going to benefit, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, especially New Japan, I think. Uh, yeah, New Japan, I can just imagine him calling. He'd be a great fit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he, you know, him and Barnett called in on Access – uh, but I think just that type of live or, you know, because with, with, with their calling on access, it was already a show and it was, you know, show to the States, you know, weeks upon months, a months later. So it wasn't necessarily him being a part of the show. He was just kind of replaying. He was just kind of calling the replay. Uh, and, but with, the expansion, the reported expansion next year, he'll actually be a part of the team. So I'd be more than happy. You know, I, to me, I would like a Ronaldo striker duo for, for New Japan. I could see where that would work. I've never personally been a huge fan of striker's work, but really, I, I, I get his value. I just yeah. think that he was a wrestler first and mm-hmm. then became a commentator. And now he's been a commentator for longer than he was a wrestler, I believe. 
but he still yeah. he still has that yeah. <laughs> ex-wrestler feel to him. And I don't know, even though I know that that's usually the best commentary team is, you know, one ex-wrestler and then one pro commentator, I, I've just never really found Stryker to be as good as a lot of other people, I guess. I don't know what it is. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Is there a commentator who's never been an ex-wrestler within the past few decades? Well, there's, there, I think, God, for as long as I can remember, it's always been at least one on the team. Yeah. Whether well, maybe Dave Brown, people. Con- Continental back in the day, like when he was commentating with uh, Lance Russell. So Dave Brown, I guess he was the color guy. I mean, I, I think there might have been a really short time in WCW where it was like Mark Madden and some other guy, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. But that's, that's, yeah. that's I forget the other guy's name all the time, but... uh that's like the only team I can think of. And well, you know, we, we all know how that turned out. Right. <laughs> yeah. What, what were your thoughts on Stevie Ray doing color? On Stevie Ray? Yeah. As a color commentator, what were, you th- what were your thoughts on Stevie Ray behind the booth? Did you like the yaks and the tomatoes and the uh, you know, it w- fruit booties? It wasn't, that, it wasn't that memorable to me. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, like I, I'm, I, I, I didn't really pay all that much attention to the commentary back then. So mm. the people who stuck out to me were like, obviously Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, but like uh, on the WCW side, Bobby Heenan was really the only guy that I ever kind of focused in on. Gotcha. Zabisco. I liked Zabisco when he was more of a heel. Once NWO came in and he was kind of forced to turn babyface a little bit, I felt like they took the bite out of him. Oh, yeah. I can see that. It really took the bite out of a lot of people because uh, even Heenan had to do some – he kind of had to go in the babyface route. And, yeah, yeah, it really didn't work out <laughs> too much for him, yeah. So, it was a tough situation I, for everybody, I bet. Yeah, it was because even the heels <laughs> – kind of had, you know, they had to play baby faces. It was really kind of like uh, us versus them. And so it really hurt. I think NWO really hurt WCW heels uh, more than anything because it really, because like people like Hennick were there. Um, he, ended up turn, he ended up going to the NWO. But just the list, like the, I think the Dungeon and Doom was still around uh, during the NWO and uh, you know, just the heels that they had at the time uh, that didn't go to the NWO. It was just kind of like a weird spot. Remember that uh, War Games match when it was like the NWO and I think like the the Horsemen or WCW, and then there was like a third neutral team of like uh, I think it was like Warrior Piper and DDP or some odd like that. Um, uh, it was like it was it was like a three team war games that year. I think it might have been like ninety eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but it was just a really odd type of time during that time um, in WCW. Yeah, I actually do remember what you're talking about. It was a really strange. That was during like the Benoit McMichael era of the four horsemen where they were kind of there, but people didn't really think of them as horsemen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the war games match lost a lot of its luster after the first 10, I think. 
because after a while they were just they were just throwing together teams of baby faces for the four horsemen to face. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the NWO definitely messed with a lot of other people's careers in unintentional ways. Because I mean, at the beginning of that storyline, they were still trying to sell Glacier versus Mortis. Yeah, true. And you know when wow. you have when you have the NWO coming in and being all edgy, nobody's going to take the guy in the, the green outfit with the skull mask seriously. Right. Mortal Kombat ripoff type it thing. It literally yeah. was Mortal Kombat come to life. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you know, and as fun as that might have been, it, it never had the chance. I mean, Mortis, you know, that was he was a good wrestler. People oh, don't realize yeah, that. Chris Canyon, yeah. Pe- yeah. Yeah, people people forget that. Like that guy was awesome. But yeah. but uh True. yeah, I don't know. The NWO's legacy definitely has been shined quite a bit by fans over the years, but it wasn't oh, all yeah. that it wasn't <laughs> all that great for a long time when it was happening. It wasn't. Yeah, I agree with you. It really wasn't. Um and it got us so oversaturated too. Uh yeah, it was ninety eight. I'm looking here. it was ninety eight. It was a three-team, nine-man, four games, three-person, three people for three teams. Um, it was Team Wolfpack, which was Nash, Sting, and Luger, versus Team Hollywood, which was Hogan, Stevie Ray, and Bret Hart. And then Team WCW was DDP, Piper, and Warrior. So it was just... So weird. We had nine person, three team war games match. That that's that's a bit of a stretch. So <laughs> it didn't go too well. Uh, Tyrus uh, NWO never made sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Tyrus uh, shares his thoughts. Shared his thoughts about uh, the United Airlines incident uh, on uh, the Great Guffield show, uh, and he was uh, very anti David Dow. Uh, Dr. David Dow, the one who got uh, uh, forcibly removed uh, from the airplane, he, he was really, he was really anti-David Dow, you know, and the crazy part of it is he made some really, really good points. I actually wrote about it. I got a direct quote. Actually, here it is. I got a direct quote. You may not like, he says, quote, you know, you may not like this, but I'm going to kick some truth to you guys. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, the quote left. <laughs> yeah, you may not like this, but I'll kick some truth to you guys. Uh, number one, the video was garbage. You understand that by the time it got to the police having to come on, it had already been offered practice, begged, given an opportunity to leave. Other people were given an opportunity. Everyone's forgetting what happened was United had an issue. The aviation stepped in and, and said, we need four workers to get to the next airport to help another airplane, Delta, who crashed. People were missing flights. It was a big deal. At the bottom of your ticket that you buy, it says the airline reserves the right for any and all reasons to remove your seat or change your flight. So there you go. There's there's Cyrus has became... Uh, Cyrus has become a very uh, interesting conservative uh, political commentator for Fox News, and uh, he's actually getting more popularity for his Fox News gig than Impact Wrestling. Does that surprise you? <laughs> it doesn't. Impact Wrestling isn't exactly doing well. <laughs> no, no, we'll talk about um, that soon, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it doesn't no I mean, is as far as Tyrus goes, 
you, you're right. He he brings up some good points. Obviously, what happened never should have gotten to the point that it happened. And yeah. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I've even heard that he had originally agreed to give up his seats and then changed his mind, which is what caused uh. the first issue. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's true. I only I I'm, I just heard that somewhere. I'm not saying that it's true for sure, but it could be. You know, it, why was he the one targeted? Well, right, and I don't think this was a racially motivated thing whatsoever. Yeah. And and frankly, it, it is in fine print. Whatever they can ask you to give up your seats, all that. Obviously, nobody's going to think that's fair. But everybody's still going to use United if they're the most. Uh, an expensive airline. I mean, I think it was, it was SNL just made a joke about that where, you know, mm-hmm. one of the guys on Weekend Update said, you know, I'm never going to use United unless they offer the best deal. And that's the way most people are going to look at it. Six exactly. months from now, nobody's nobody's going to be boycotting United unless they can afford to. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. So it, it, it all comes down to United got a wake-up call and they're going to change their policies because of this mm-hmm. and Hopefully this guy gets a little settlement and the story goes away. Yeah, it will. I, I mean, yeah, that's that's media for you. I mean, there's been yeah. uh, stories that have been uh, far worse, you know, respectively. Um, 24-hour but, news cycle. There was just a shooting. Yeah. So that's going to yeah. obviously take precedence. Exactly. In my home state. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, very, very true. Um, so, yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, that's it's the media. It's, it's journalism. It's media. It's something else is going to happen. I mean, you know, the media, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a journalist. So, yeah, there's always a reason to be outraged. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote about both incidents, uh, incidents. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that Something new is going to happen tomorrow uh, to for people to focus on. Like, and unfortunately, I don't, I don't want to bring any. You know, I don't want to bring uh, any. I don't want to take anything away from the the, the severity of, of the Ohio shooting. So, of course, you know, I, want to, I definitely want to make that very clear that I want to. You know, I want to all the listeners to, to really keep this in context because uh, I wrote about it and, and, and I was very disturbed by that. Um, and as you know, it was in my home state as well. So I was, I was keeping up with it just like, like crazy, uh, but just with stories period. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, it's like the, 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 the fad, you know, of, of the day or the fad of the week, you know, it's one of those people who, uh, you know, you know the the the, the high school and the college jock, you know, and then <laughs> the girls like this person because you know he had you know a couple of really cool touchdown passes. In the next game, uh, someone else rushes for you know eighty yards, and then all the girls gravitate to him. You know what I mean? So it's just you know that, that's basically what what the news is. You know, it's the it's the college jock that uh, has the really cool play, and then the next week, you know, he's relatively average again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it was, it's an interesting, 
it's an interesting story, but you know, at the end of the day, like like you were saying, you know, United's United. United's not gonna they're not gonna go under. You know, their reputation may be you know tainted for a little bit, but people, I, I don't have, I don't think this has anything to do, or this is going to have anything to do, or this is gonna have any type of hit in their sales. I, I highly doubt that. You know, if it's a if it's a bargain, I you know it's it's funny because I actually took Delta. On my way to Orlando for WrestleMania, uh, I took United on the way back. And interestingly enough, you know, when I heard this, I <laughs> I, I, I was a big I, I was a witness of it because the flight that was right next to me, the the terminal that was right next to me, um, they announced that they needed some people to get off the plane. So, you know, it's, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, because when I heard this story, I was like, yeah, there's United. that's United for you because the terminal right next to me, they were like, yeah, we need about four available seats. And they were, like, going all the way out. Like, I think they offered someone three, you know, offer people $300 um, for, you know, like a, a voucher uh, to use for another flight. Um, and that's, you know, that's the thing. They gave them a basically, you know, you can get a, a round trip plus uh, another flight, uh, a one way with $300. In a lot of cases, if you book, you know, early enough, uh, they gave them, and the only thing that they wanted them to do was take the next flight that was, you know, like a couple of hours away. So they said, if you, you know, relinquish your seat, and take the next flight. We'll give you $300. And they kept saying, like, yeah, once again, we got to need four available seats. <laughs> like they were, <laughs> so they kept announcing it. I had to wait for um, – it was a short uh, wait that I had, probably about an hour. Uh, and within, a, <laughs> within an hour, they announced it like three or four times. So it was really, it was really funny. And it's, and it why, didn't you take funny. Up, why didn't you take them up on the deal? <clears throat> well, it was it was one good question. One, it wasn't my flight; it was the one that was next to me. And then, oh, even, okay. and then even if it was my flight, like I was gone for five days, and I was really missing my family. My 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 wife just uh, yeah. I was talking to her daily, and then you know it was one of those things that uh, she would just continue. You know, it was one of those things that she just she was just continuing to you know tell me how much she was missing me, and it was really pulling on my heartstrings. And then she was just showing me my two boys through like Facebook video. <laughs> you know, she was really she was incredibly supportive of me doing some uh, journalism at Mania. So you know, that was, she was incredibly supportive about that. But you know, from Thursday, I mean, like when I got out of the, you know, when I started flying. She was, she, you know, she said she was crying, and you know, it's just one of those things. Like, okay, you got me. I'm ready to come back home. So <laughs> I, I couldn't well, have said another minute. You know what's funny is, is you mentioned that you had taken Delta one way and United another way. Like the day before all that United stuff happened, I saw like four different WWE superstars complaining <clears throat> about about Delta. Ah, and interesting. <laughs> like lost luggage and, and problems they had with the staff and stuff. And it was just really funny to me for like the next day 
all those people who were so outraged at Delta were now expressing outrage at United on behalf of a guy they've never met. And it's like, so you guys are taking Southwest from now on? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> apparently yeah, every everybody. airline is just pissing everybody off. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody hates Frontier, according to, you know, the, when, I, when I don't even know. Are you familiar with Frontier? Does it go into Chicago? It, it may. I, I've never heard of them, but I assume they're, what are they, a regional company? Yeah, it's kind of like a second-rate type of, you know, uh, it's it's kind of like the, um, uh, it's it's kind of like the the off-brand to the, you know, to the to the major brand, I guess you could say. It's, you know, it's it's and so. Uh, so it's like a JetBlue. Yeah, 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 yeah. JetBlue, I think that's a pretty good uh, comparison. Uh, so, you know, you, you have, you have that, you have, of course, the major brands, which, you know, Delta, United, Southwest, uh, American. And so, um, you have, you know, like, like you said, JetBlue and like Frontier goes into that B rated mix. Um, I don't think they have Wi-Fi. So there's a lot of complaints as far as like, cause the, the, um, and I've never been to Frontier, um, a good friend of mine, actually a staff member of, of uh, Crave Wrestling and Pancakes Power Sam Show, he frequents um, Frontier, uh, and I am highly considering them to go uh, for for 34 in New Orleans because I heard that there was like uh, a fairly cheap flight uh, to to New Orleans uh, that he's done a couple of times. So his you know his reviews are good, but Typically, the ones that are on online, uh, they're not they're not very good. And uh, a friend of mine, she asked on Facebook uh, just how they are, and it was kind of up and down. So it's really a it's really a crapshoot when it comes to Frontier. Um, but you know, I, I'm willing to do it when it comes to New Orleans because it's a cheap flight and it's not a long flight. So I'm I'm not really pressed about that. Yeah, so you're not going to be on the plane for more than a couple hours. Just bring a DVD in your laptop. You'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, WrestleMania locations, Lucas Oil Stadium uh, wrote a piece. Uh, uh, they had an interview, uh, representatives uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, they're really pressing to have uh, a mania there, and that's only about a three-and-a-half-hour drive uh, from uh, me. And so – I'd I'd be totally fine with that because I can drive my truck. I don't have to worry about renting a car or a flight, you know, or airfare. So I I am a huge, and it's it's actually even closer to you uh, in Chicago. Actually, yeah, I think though what's about a three hour drive from Chicago because I think it's about six hours from where I live from Columbus. Uh, uh, what's it? What city are we talking again? Sorry, Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Indianapolis is uh, not a bad drive from Chicago if you don't mind sitting in a car for a few hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. It says three hour. Yeah. Three hour drive from um, from Chicago. I think well, like, you know what? <coughs> if, you're, if you're going out on Mania Sunday, it's probably more like five hours because you have to go true. through the city. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Chicago yeah, is the worst traffic in the country. Oh, I've been I've been to Chicago plenty of times. I can certainly agree with that. 
One hundred percent. Yeah. So it says two hours and forty two minutes from uh, Columbus to Indianapolis. So uh, that is awesome. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that could just be a that could be a day trip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I've been in I've been to Indy before. I've drove, um, but it seems like it was more like three and a half hours. But I mean, it just depends. I live I live in a suburb, uh, so it's probably closer to three for me. Because um, I'd imagine I'd take it from downtown Columbus. So yeah, I mean either either or. I mean two and a half, you know, two hours and forty minutes to three and a half. It's still a you know a short drive. So. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of this. I really hope you know the Hoosier Dome's uh, you know the Hoosier Dome became the RCA Dome and the RCA Dome was demolished in 2008, and now of course it's Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, both of us are Big Ten states, and so the Big Ten Championship uh, was recently at Lucas Oil Stadium. Of course, they've had some NCAA uh, there um, working on the Super Bowl, so. I mean, it's a big deal now. Indianapolis is really trying to market themselves as a as a major city for for sports, and uh, I, you know, I'm a, I would be a, a huge fan of that. And I was just, I was, you know, kind of toiling between the flavor of the week that, uh, tonight. We're going to talk about ECW, but I was also thinking about just like states, uh, cities uh, that has never, cities that has never um, hosted a WrestleMania. Um, and he has back in, in 1992, but it's been 25 years. But uh, other than your thoughts on Indiana, what are some uh, what are some locations that you would like to uh, maybe to, to be that's, that that they've never been? This actually might sound like a strange choice, but uh, I think I don't know if they, I don't think they've ever been there. But uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I think would actually be a, a great city to host it, just hmm. because of the way the city is set up, it would be good for tourists like mm-hmm. Chicago. You know, we had WrestleMania too during that triple thing they did right? <laughs> where they filmed in two different cities. That was kind of weird, but yeah. um, Chicago, in my opinion, despite the fact that I love Chicago sports teams, I don't like going to sporting events in the city. And it's because of getting to and from anywhere in the city, especially Wrigley field, which has no parking literally no parking mm-hmm. and that's at that place. So it's, it's a pain in the butt if you are not in the confines of the city to really get anywhere. But if you go to Milwaukee, it, it's the, the city is actually set up really nice and mm-hmm. they have a couple of places that could host a mania. It might not break any attendance records, but you know, they've, they've, they've got an outdoor stadium. Miller park is an outdoor stadium that closes. So it's not like they have to worry about the weather and it's, it's a beautiful facility. So there's a lot of places, uh, but I think they've focused quite a bit on what seems like coastal cities, like mm-hmm. New York has had quite a bit. California's had some WrestleManias, Texas. You know, I'd right. like to see them kind of move towards the middle of the country. Heck, I wouldn't even mind if they decided to hold one in Hawaii. That I think might be even kind oh, of cool. Interesting. It'd probably be costly, though. I think that's probably one of the only things that they would, you know, be concerned as far as because my wife and I tried to go to Hawaii a few years back, and it was a handful and a half as far as the ticket prices are concerned. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, I think Miller Park holds about forty-two thousand. Um, so, you know, 
that wouldn't, you know, it still wouldn't be a, a bad. I mean, of course, they would have to hike up the prices to, you know, to to make, uh, you know, to compare to the sixty to eighty thousand, you know, venues that they have uh, nowadays. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, I've been in Milwaukee, and I like Milwaukee's. Uh, <clears throat> I like Milwaukee as a city. Um, I actually went to Chicago and took a, a hour and fifteen minute drive. I think it was last year, if I'm not mistaken. I, went, I took my wife to go see Stomp, and uh, it was in Milwaukee. So uh, yeah, it was it was uh, really cool. It was my first time in Milwaukee, and I liked it. It was a it was a you know from what I drove and my experience, it was a pretty cool pretty cool city. Uh, here in Columbus, uh, we have uh, the the best stadium in the entire country, the Shoe, uh, the home of the. Um, home of the Ohio State Buckeyes, and so uh, we're at about 110,000. So uh, they were there were some talks a, c- a couple of years ago uh, that um, Columbus uh, tried to uh, put a bid in for for WrestleMania. I think Columbus. See, the only thing you know they're they're concerned about the weather, um, and then of course the shoe is not domed, so that's one of the biggest concerns. As far as, because, you know, it's one of those things that you can have anywhere if it's domed, you know, similar to how uh, Lucas Oil is now. So, in in Indiana, Indiana, of course, and then you have good, better weather, you know, states like Florida and, of course, Texas and, of course, California. Um, New York is not the best weather, you know, place, but it's such a big attraction as far as states that uh i would like like you said i would like central uh like like kansas or you know what i mean <laughs> like or or minnesota uh and because there's so much history of minnesota uh you have like uh either you're you ever thought of them doing like idaho or the dakotas or something like that you know i just something just something really odd uh, would be really cool, but I don't. I don't think that they have the. I don't think that that particular city has probably the financial <laughs> capabilities to host a WrestleMania. But you know, I think Vegas would be a good choice. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of venues in Vegas, but the problem with Vegas is that it's already such a touristy place. I think yeah. they have trouble getting the space they need for all the fans that are going to come in from around the world. I mean, you know, you go to Vegas, it's already kind of a pain to find a decent hotel room, let alone some weekends where you have to settle for the worst of the worst. So, yeah. But, you know, Vegas, there's that, there's that mystique that the city seems to have with some people. I'm not a gambler, so I personally would never plan a trip to Vegas for myself, but, you know, I, I I get the appeal of the bright lights and, Uh and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, there, there's a million places they could put WrestleMania. I mean, really, hardcore fans are going to go wherever the show is. I mean, exactly. you saw you saw them touting that they have people from, like, 100 countries and every state in the union and all this. They're going to sell out no matter where they are. It's just a matter of finding a place that can accommodate all the events that week and all the fans yeah. at the same time. Exactly. <clears throat> have you ever been to Mania? No, and that's sort of by design, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, 
ever since I was about 18, 19, I've had pretty rough back issues. Uh-huh. Um, year, just years of, of martial arts and a couple of existing conditions just totally uh-huh. destroyed about six discs in my back. So oh, man. Sitting, for, sitting for seven to eight hours to watch it at home is a pain in the butt enough, let alone in a chair that's not comfortable to begin with. Mm. Um, I like I like the live experience for a house show or a SmackDown taping, but I, I think I've gotten to a point in my life where I actually prefer the freedom of watching it at home mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't have to wait in line to go to the bathroom. I can get up and get a snack whenever I want. I can pause it. I can do whatever. So, for me personally, going to a WrestleMania is no longer on my bucket list. It's just one mm-hmm. of those things, like, if the opportunity arose, I probably wouldn't say no, but I'm not going to make the effort. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's after uh, quite a bit of time of living in this world uh, and, and all of that being a wrestling fan, it definitely was a bucket list item. But it's funny because uh, it, it's always been a bucket list item. Uh, but it was, I was getting to the point where I was like, it just seems so far out that it wasn't really tangible, but, uh, an opportunity arose and, um, I had an opportunity, I had a a great, uh, deal and, and, and got some really good connects and, and was able to do some coverage. So it wasn't necessarily, it was, it it was, it was leisure, but it wasn't, no, it wasn't really leisure. Sunday was leisurely although I still had to write some articles, but um, it was, it was everywhere. Thursday, when I got there, it was access. It was the, uh, actually the cute before access. It was the, uh, the kickoff Q and a with JR uh, sting and, and flair. Then it was access. And then Wally mania. And then uh, I went to, and then Friday uh, I, I was writing throughout the entire day. And then the hall of fame, uh, and then I think I went somewhere else, um, other than there, uh, and on Friday. Um, and then Saturday was, <clears throat> I went to, um, the click Q and A, and then I went to, uh, ROH in Lakeland an hour away. I went to Supercard of Honor and I went to Shenanigans, <laughs> you know, and it was just, I was just at events. I would probably miss them one or two. I was at events and events doing coverage. So a lot of money was made throughout that week, and it was so thrilling as a journalist and so exhilarating um, that I'm going to go every year. One because uh, my family's happy financially when I when I made all, you know did all that uh, coverage, um, and then you know it was uh, it was really thrilling. It was so just amazing. Um, I can't imagine myself doing that like you know a few times a year. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was considering SummerSlam, and I still am, but uh, I think I'll be totally fine if it was just a mania a year type of thing for me, just from a thrill. I barely got any sleep. It was just in and out. I was I would catch naps throughout the day just to make up for sleep because I was just so busy throughout Thursday to Monday. I came back and started my work because I'm a PhD student. So I was doing homework at that time as well and then doing more homework throughout the week. And so it took me about a week and a half to really settle, <laughs> get my, get you know, just get re- regular life kind of settled in. So I can only do yeah, that like once like a year. <laughs> What's that? 
I said it sounds like it would take a week and a half to recover. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just so much. Um, it was really just so much that I just had to catch up with. And it was just so much that I had to do in those, in those four days. Um, but yeah, so I, I can see myself doing that next year in new Orleans. Uh, but just <laughs> only once a year for me, I'm a, I'm a family man. So uh, I'm good. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I know people who do it for a living. It just goes back and forth to different places and I can understand the thrill. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I definitely don't see myself doing that just, you know, multiple times a year. So, all right, real yeah. quick, uh, let, let's talk about audience of one defeating impact wrestling. Uh, actually, I uh, broke this news on wrestling Inc. to uh, this to tonight. And it's been on uh, many different outlets. Um, I'm sure BR had something to say about it as well. Um, so, what are your thoughts? Um, $223,000. Um, it was, <laughs> they, basically, they admit it. They, they admit it that, yeah, we breached it. Yeah, we were supposed to pay and we didn't. Yeah, you know, and it's like they just admitted stuff. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's the funny part of it. Like after all the hold up, we're talking a year and a half. After all that, they were like, "Yeah, we we basically just waving the white flag. All this stuff you're accusing us, <laughs> we did it. We're going to settle for the two twenty three. Here's the problem, though. There's no, there hasn't been any reports that their financial situation uh, has gotten better." You know, because a lot of times they have people front them the money, like Corgan and the Hardys, and of course, we see Audience of One. Uh, Anthem buying them has helped, you know, I, I guess, maybe. Um, but all of these outstanding balances um, in, in, the, in the middle of, you know, multiple lawsuits. Uh, so, I don't know, you know, Anthem, from what I recall, Anthem... Um, Kind of front the front of the bill with the Corgan thing, and then you have uh, audience of one now, which is you know nearly uh, a quarter of a million dollars. So all of these all of these lawsuits that Anthem potentially has to pay, um, I don't know what type of standing that will have with with, with TNA. Um, so it, it's really really interesting uh, that. They're in so so much financial crisis that they were actually trying to lead people on. I mean, I, I wrote it in, in detail. Um, PW Insider report, you know, broke the news, and I, um, I, I I added some more stuff actually from the the court case inside my piece uh, for Wrestling Inc. And yeah, it was just it was just crazy, uh, just what they admitted to. I mean, everything that was, like I said, everything that was accused to them, they just said, eh, yeah, that's true, so let's just move on. Well, you know, we, we've heard millions of stories over the last few years about Impact Wrestling not paying these performers and the crew and all these different things, and this is obviously another in a long line of that, but I'll be honest with you, I think Anthem actually handled this the right way, and a lot of that has to do with rebuilding the brand's reputation. They're yeah. coming in saying, yes, we know that the previous management breached that contract. So we'll take care of this. 
and we're going to use this to make it look like the new ownership is more responsible and is going to take the lead. And honestly, in the end, I think them admitting to the wrongdoing in court is, is going to give them a, a more positive image, at least to some people who understand that they're not admitting that they breached the contract. They're admitting the contract was breached by previous management. True. They're just They're just following through on all the deals that were in place when they purchased the company. So I actually think it was the smartest move for them because they, what were they going to do? Lie about it and then just have the contract presented to the judge anyway. I mean, you know, it's, they were in a tough position. So I think that this is actually the best decision they could have made just in terms of the longevity of the company. Frankly, Uh I don't think, I don't think impact is going anywhere for the next year or two, but after that, who knows? But, you know, this is just another reason that they were in the news. And even though it's not necessarily positive news, anything that gets people talking about your product is going to help. So I actually think they did everything the right way. And hopefully going forward, uh, Anthem can kind of help rebuild the company and make it into something that people want it to be. Here's my thing. I actually have some. I actually have some friends who work uh, at Impact, and uh, I've met Jared. I've talked to Jared uh, multiple times. Uh, he and I have communicated many times through email, as recent as probably a month ago. Um, and you know, it's one of those things that I, I, I really, not having Impact would be a, a huge blow to the wrestling community. Um, not having any competition because ROH, I'm a, I'm a fan of ROH, um, huge fan of ROH. I've, I've had many ROH people here on the show, but ROH is such a in a class of of their own that they're not necessarily gunning, you know, to be that big competitive, you know, uh, brand. You know, they they their production, you know. <laughs> Their their production needs some some help. <laughs> Definitely needs some help. Um, but oh, yeah. I don't think you know. And but I don't think that they're. I don't think that that's a, a big. I don't think that's really a priority of theirs. They just want to sell out these small towns, uh, and basically that that's what they're doing. I mean, I know people. Um, you know, who are promoters, my a good friend, you know, you know, uh, Bobby Fulton, NWA tag team legend. He, he does very well in the hall market, uh, with this world classic professional big time wrestling. He's actually having an event here, um, in Ohio, uh, Saturday with, uh, Jim Cornette and Abdullah the Butcher and, and Shane Douglas. So he, he does that. He has monthly shows. I've been to a bunch of them. Uh, and, and he, those things are packed. So $15 a pop, uh, you know, there's a VIP cost too, and you have, you know, three to 500 people come, you know, you do that a month. That's that's pretty good. You know, of course you got to pay your talent and, you know, overhead with the talent in the venue, but you know, that's a pretty good payday. And I think with, with ROH, that's kind of where they're gunning. There's kind of like a, uh, a, a muscular version of that, so to speak. Um, although Lakeland was packed, I think it had like 
three or four thousand people there. It was like their biggest show uh, in history or so, something along those lines. Um, but hey, <laughs> two three hundred people at an ROH event is what they've been doing. For, what they've been doing for fifteen years. Yeah, I mean Ring of Honor, they they have a reputation for kind of being the place where all these WWE guys got their start. So a lot of interest has been drummed up in their product, but it hasn't necessarily equated to ratings, especially since they're kind of on a weird channel. Like I Mm -hmm. might even get the channel they're on. I I honestly don't know because I really only follow ring of honor uh, loosely just because I just don't have the time to follow a whole nother promotion. But I think you're right when you say the loss of TNA would hurt because look at what happened to all these guys who are now in WWE when they were in TNA. You know, they got their footing. People know who Eric Young is. People know who Samoa Joe and AJ Styles are. You know, TNA helped launch a lot of people who are now making big waves in WWE and NXT. So, you know, it's an important part of the business, even if it's not necessarily the product that everybody wants to watch. So I definitely agree with you there. I just, really hope Anthem can do something with it because there is a lot of talent in that company that deserves a chance for success. Yeah. Rebranding is is really the the key word. Uh, It's such damaged goods now. Um, And the thing is, TNA, their their product, I've actually, I'm actually up to date with TNA. There was a time, you know, this year, the past six months that I was like two, probably six weeks behind um, TNA programming, just piling up on my DVR. Uh, but I've actually binged it with, you know, at the same time with the laptop in my hand doing homework and writing and watching TNA in the background or Impact Wrestling, I should say. Uh, and I've, you know, I've, I've found a way to, to catch. And the thing is, I mean, there have been some good stuff. I mean, I've interviewed, you know, uh, a couple months ago, uh, Al Snow interviewed Laurel Van Ness uh, right before her wedding angle, and they've they've actually have you know some some pretty good potential there, you know. But it's like the the exodus of TNA with all the people who left, and nowadays it's like I like I like James Storm. I actually talked to him in Orlando. Nice guy. Uh, but it's like, uh, it's the same James Storm that we're seeing again. And, you know, just the LAX version, I like the aggression that they're having, but how much, you know, does that really, and then you got people like Matt Morgan and Chris Adonish, I should say now, uh, and, uh, Magnus, who's not, he's been over the past few years. Um, you have those names coming back. Um, a great level of respect to all three of them, but they're not the name recognition that TNA is going to need. Uh, and this is my opinion. I like all three of them, and I think that they're good additions. But from a name and a recognition to really put you back on the map, I don't know if, if they are the ones. And if El Patron. Um, and ROH, he was a good baby face, but now he's just kind of, it's kind of weird, especially with the paid stuff going on. And he was a big heel before, you know, before he left WWE. So he's kind of still 
fitting in that babyface role. And I think by the time he tries, you know, he'll realize that it's just a lost cause and go heal again. So they really don't have that 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 single, you know, ideal babyface to really kind of put them back on the map. But the product actually isn't isn't very bad. Uh, it's been a while since I've kept up with it. I've seen some YouTube stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, all I know is that they need to pick a name for their mid-card championship and stick with it. That's the, yes. my only request. Yes. What is it now? It's the, it's yeah. the Impact Grand Championship. The Grand Championship, championship. yeah. I like, I like Moose a lot, but just the concept of the Grand Championship is terrible. It's the, the judges and three rounds. and It's, it's absolutely horrible. Um, I, admi- I admire the effort of innovation. I admire the attempt to come up with something new. <laughs> it uh, just did not yeah, work. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. But, uh, you know, I think when it comes to the Impact Wrestling Grand Championship, this is what they get. That's what happens for the Impact Grand Championship. All right, real quick Raw and SmackDown thoughts. What do you have? Well, obviously, uh, the the end of Raw kind of created a whole firestorm online with yeah. them doing the breaking the ring with Braun Strowman. I mean, a lot of people saw that spot coming from a mile away, but I even said the same thing on Twitter. Just because it was predictable doesn't mean it wasn't so fun. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of Braun Strowman right now. I've I've really liked the way they've kind of been doing this slow build before throwing him right in the title scene. They're they're actually giving him a chance to build this reputation and get over naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah. besides that, I was just really disappointed with the way Finn Balor was booked against Kurt Hawkins. It's like, what was the point of that match? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything yeah. else throughout the night was was fine, <clears throat> acceptable, whatever. But that match really just made no sense to me. It's like, I don't even understand Kurt Hawkins character all that well. Like, why is he even care? Why is he, why is he carrying a cane? Like, what is, what is his character? I don't get it. So that really kind of was weird to me. I like that he did the whole, like, you know, you end up in the ring with me and you go to the main event thing. That was kind of funny, but (laughs) I I want them to just reunite him with Ryder already. I know Ryder's out, but when he comes back, I I want the major brothers again, (laughs) you know, for some reason, those, I liked those two guys as a team for some reason. I don't know what it was about them. That's that's what I'd like to see. But, um, you know, I, I like what they're doing with Samoa Joe a lot. I, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of adding to the authority angle, but having him come in and play it up the way he's doing is, is actually really smart. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's the, he's the hired gun. I, I think that's a good angle for them. But, Overall, I was happy with Raw. I thought the women's match was was good, and um, I really like that they actually had Alexa Bliss go over. I mean, Alexa Bliss mm-hmm. is, is my second favorite women's wrestler right now. Becky Lynch is the top for me, but Alexa Bliss mm-hmm. is number two. SmackDown? Um, yeah, SmackDown was okay. I really like the main event with Corbin and, and Styles. I really think Corbin is starting to come into his own as a as a big time player against these really agile guys. He's he's able to adjust his style to work really well with them. Yeah. Um 
you know, they're trying to do something with Primo and Epico, which makes me happy, but I don't know how long it'll last. Yeah. Yeah, it's been... Not a very memorable been, show overall. No. That's, that, those waters have been tried too many times. Um, but as far as Raw, I was there uh, live, and um, it was great. I had a floor seat, so I really had the opportunity to be, you know, close to that collapse, and it was it was great. The, the, the crowd just went bananas. I was extra critical to uh, Chris Jericho tapping out clean against Joe. I hated that. I think that was a terrible, terrible, terrible idea, especially if you're going to have Jericho as a United States champion, number one contender against Kevin Owens. And this shakeup, it was, you know, it was a, uh, it was a concept that left some suspense and a level of excitement, which was good, but it's so confusing. I mean, you have people like Finn Balor, who just had like just a, a, a snap of a finger, you know, exhibition with Hawkins, <clears throat> but you had Wyatt interfere him last week and then do his sermon of the snake or whatever he did. And which was just cheesy to me. Um, yeah. And then, and then you had, um, Finn Balor just going, just being nowhere. I mean, he wasn't placed really anything. So is he going to be doing this until the, the payback thing? Uh, I mean, and how how obvious is it that Bray Wyatt's going to lose? It's just yeah. And basically, they had Orton come out after you know with Gender Mahal when he won. I, I, I'm on the fence with Gender because. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, he was doing the thing with Mojo and kind of looked like a like a uh, you know looked like a punk when he was uh, just getting you know side swiped by uh, Gronk. And so from them from them him to go from there to the number one contender of the WWE Championship is a, a very very quick leap. <laughs> um, him as a heel is, is not bad at all. Um, but I think it could have uh, should have been a little bit more time for that, especially since I mean having a number one contender uh, match now it didn't really make no sense because you still have payback, which is uh, a raw pay per view, and then uh, backlash is until May. So uh, it, it was just a it's just a weird type of assortment of how they're doing that. So. Uh, and, and then uh, for me, as far as favorites, uh, Becky Lynch is two for me. Number one is uh, Naomi, big Naomi fan, um, and I'm glad that, uh, um, her and Charlotte went against each other. But I'm not a good fan. I'm not a big fan at all of champions losing like that. Uh, nine title matches. Uh, I don't like that at all. So, all right, real quick, the flavor of the week. Uh, uh, let's let's get to. Just your thoughts real quick. We've got a couple minutes left. Uh, what went wrong in your eyes with uh, ECW? I, I mean, it was a lot of different things, but I think no matter what they would have done financially in the background, it was always doomed to fail because it was 
far too niche of a product. Niche. When you put on a sh- yeah. when you put on a show that's that violent, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a lot of backlash. You're never really gonna be- get national distribution when Tommy Dreamer has a completely red face every week because he's covered yeah. in his own blood. Um, yeah. But in the in the end, I think it was just a matter of they were MTV in the beginning. You know, they were anti-establishment, and then MTV became the establishment. Right. EC, ECW never made that transition. Yeah, they tried to when so, they were TNN, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, it, it was it was just one of those things where, you know, it was fun for a while, but you could never have that product again today, at least not on television, especially with all the different regulations they have to adhere to. Yep. And all the different parents groups that monitor every little thing that's out there now. Yep. I wrote a piece about that actually on uh, YouTube. It's uh, cracking down on uh, on their restrictions, and it's really hurting a lot of uh, internet-based uh, wrestling promotions who are getting some really good revenue. So check that out on WrestlingInc.com. Um, talk about independent uh, promotions uh, taking a big blow there. All the listeners. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, real quick, uh, I agree. Uh, I think it was niche. That's exactly the word I was thinking about. Um, just the S and P. You know that it just you can't really pass that. Uh, and the, uh, today's ECW product would fail that miserably. Um, so there's a bunch of different restrictions that uh, just won't be allowed um, with with ECW. It was a good launching pad. You know. Um, and it uh, served its purpose. I mean, seven years was uh, was was a very very uh, good time for a promotion. That's uh, really within seven years, it made such a lasting impact. So that is uh, very very um, uh, kudos to ECW for that. Uh, even if they didn't last about uh, seven years. So Chris has been an honor once again, man. <laughs> Every single time. Have a, uh, yeah, it's always fun. fun. With you. Absolutely, man. Let the listeners know where to find you. I'm always on Bleacher Report, and you can find me on Twitter, BR underscore doctor. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, a big thanks to UFC legend Matt Hughes for being on the show tonight. And once again, 264 episodes has been logged. This is Chris Featherstone uh, speaking for Bleacher Report. The doctor, Chris Mueller. Been a pleasure once again, and uh, for all you listeners, thank you so much for continuing to support the show in, in heavy, heavy, heavy numbers. Your support is absolutely amazing, and just continue to follow us at Crave Wrestling Twitter. Oh yeah, real quick, pancakes and power slams T-shirts. Uh, we have some fans at uh, at the Schottenstein Center yesterday. Uh, knowing about the the, uh, the pancakes, power Sam's, uh, me and my colleagues, uh, uh, members of the of the staff, uh, we wore them, and so it was great. Uh, uh, invoice me, uh, inbox me, Crave Wrestling, to see um, how you can get your pancakes and power slams t-shirt. So, God bless you all. Uh, enjoy your week of wrestling, and uh, have a really very amazing night. Thank you so much. God bless. Goodbye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.